Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Mother Mary and the Masters with Samara Gabriel Grace. Did you ever hear a whisper of wisdom from a higher source? Have you felt the persistent encouragement of your angels and guides? Do you wonder if Mother Mary is still a part of Earth's evolutionary story? Sit back and listen as Samara channels the loving wisdom and light of Mother Mary and the Masters. Samara's life changed forever in the fall of 1997 when she received the first of many personal visitations from Mother Mary. In the decades since then, Samara has traveled the world serving as Mary's messenger, sharing her love and wisdom with those who are ready to receive it. Tune in now. Receive the insights and inspiration that Mary and the Masters offer to help you live a life of greater peace, deeper joy, and ever-abiding grace. Join us now for a close encounter of the divine kind. Well, hello, everyone, on this amazing and beautiful Wednesday, the 13th of July. It is quite simmering hot here in Arizona, where I'm broadcasting from but I'm sitting in the cool of air conditioning with a lovely hibiscus flower iced tea. Very, very excited to reach out and share with you um, my inspiration, my love, Mother Mary, my dear co-hostess, Mary Elizabeth. I have a wonderful friend visiting me who's also been on the show before, Janie Gatlin. So you're going to get all kinds of divine feminine wisdom today, and I'm, <laughs> I couldn't be happier because I think in some ways we all do need to put our heads together to uh, scratch our heads, look at these crazy times, and see if we can come up with any wonderful, peaceful, joyous, and powerful solutions. So with that being said, I'm going to give a shout-out to my co-hostess, Mary Elizabeth, in the beauty and I'm sure much cooler air of Crystal Lake, Illinois. How are you doing, Mary? Wonderful. And I, you know, it must be that we have a beautiful thunderstorm. The rain is coming down, so we're doing a good job of balancing out that energy between your heat and our cold. <laughs> yes, we've got fire and water, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, and I think that's... And that's really what's happening. So today's show is really going to be about, hopefully, some solutions and suggestions about how to become more of a peacemaker, to feel peace inside of ourselves, and to be able to deal with some of the extraordinary energies that are coming around right now on the planet and all of the sort of backlash that's been happening. I think it's it's terrible in some ways when, when difficult things happen, like what happened in Florida and Orlando. And then there's there's two things that seem to happen after that, this beautiful outflow of love and support and also the backlash from those who are in somehow in, in some sort of anger about uh, whichever group it was that was attacked or was somehow seen as the enemy. And in all of my studies, what I feel is that we've, for thousands of years now, we have been living this very old paradigm of enemy. And so when you believe that certain people or certain countries or a certain religion is your enemy, you begin to marshal your forces against them. And it becomes this very divisive us versus them situation. And that's what we're seeing all over the world right now, whether it's the difficulty in Orlando, the difficulty overseas, the bombings, ISIS, etc. So we're seeing that. But what I want to focus on today with Mother Mary is what is this really about? Why is it happening? And even more importantly, what can we do about it? So I've asked Mary to kind of be the questioner today. And so in just a moment, I'm going to be taking a breath and bringing in Mother Mary while Mary Elizabeth gets her first question ready. So give me just a second. Oh, yeah, here she is. So go ahead, Mary Elizabeth. What's your first question? Well, Samara, it's kind of like what you said. You know, there is so much craziness in this world. We've had shootings. We have ISIS. We have racial issues. We have police brutality. Yet, you know, when we're not directly involved with it, what can we do to kind of help that situation and, you know, shed more light on it? Well, first of all, this is Mother Mary, and I want everyone who's listening either now, today, on the Wednesday, or whenever you happen to hear it, stop and take a breath. Please, take a breath. 
so much of what is going on is a result of sort of a heightened irritation on the part of everyone, a heightened uh, not only irritation but unease, a heightened mistrust, a heightened sense of anger, a heightened sense of protection of self and family and therefore against some other group. And so what's happening is there's a hardening of hearts, there's a hardening of emotion, there's a hardening and a withdrawing. And what happens then is you have all of these separate little globs of humanity, each trying to protect itself and therefore not in any way reaching out or creating compromise or creating help and uh, support for others. So by taking a breath, you know, I want you each to ask yourself, am I in danger right now? I mean that quite sincerely, because obviously if, if you're in the middle of a shooting or something, then yes, you are in danger. But the vast majority of the population that hears this radio show is not in imminent danger. And so what we need you to do first and foremost is quiet your being. Quiet your being into who am I? And hopefully the answer to that is I am a source of love and light and friendship and, and cooperation and creation. So in other words, when you stop being in reaction and begin to calm yourself and become more in a sense of who you are, more of yourself, now what you're doing is creating the very first step that we need, which is peace within. You cannot be a peacemaker when you are frantic. You cannot be a peacemaker when you are on edge. You cannot be a peacemaker when you are defending yourself or, or being very defensive about something else. So you must calm yourself. And again, I want to be clear. I said first, are you in any imminent danger? So if the answer is no, then you calm yourself. You play some beautiful music. You make yourself a cup of tea. You sit for just a moment and you reflect, who am I? Ask yourself that question. Who am I? Am I a being of light, a being of friendship, a being of joy, a, a, a person who, for the most part, wishes well-being upon others? And so you come back into yourself. Because with that magnificence of who you are, with that anointing of who you are, with that filling again of who you are, now you have the fuel that you need. When you're frantic, when you're upset, when you're running around like Henny Penny, the sky is falling, essentially you are leaking your essence. You are leaking your energy. You are leaking your fuel. And therefore... You know what happens if you strike a match when the fuel is all in the air, it ignites and blows up and creates a terrible fire. And so we need each of you to not leak negative energy. If you're not in danger, come into inner peace before you try to do anything for anyone else. Be the peace. Be the peace. Feel the peace. Do whatever. Some people like to exercise. Some people like to swim or walk or meditate or dance or water ski. And when you do that, what, what's happening is all of your being is coming back into a place of peace. So now, now that you're back into yourself as a being of peace, now you ask that wise inner being, the wise inner being that is in touch with your uh, guides and masters and hopefully even me, you ask, what is my part in this? Now, when you ask, what is my part in this, it actually has two parts. 
Was I a part of creating it? And am I also to be a part of the healing, of offering something, of doing something to, to lessen the difficulty of what has occurred? Because if you really start to get the equation, we're all in this together. And it can get kind of uncomfortable because if there are many, many people who are not at peace, it's like the boiling point and the leaking fuel are all over the place and one match can set it off. And so when you ask yourself the second part of this, so first part, calming yourself and being at peace. Second part, what is my part in this? Now I want to be very specific today because many of you are so well-meaning and you want to do good. So let me make it very clear to you. Let's take the example of Orlando. Hideous, awful, terrible, terrible situation. Now, ask yourself, where am I still judging others for their sexuality, for their way of life, if it is not in any way harming me? They were all happily having a joyous evening in a nightclub. They chose to go because they wanted to. They chose to be with each other because they wanted to. None of them was harming anyone else. But when you ask what was my part in this, if you look at the oneness and come out like, like you've got a, a long lens to look at this from outside of just your own inner life, you have to ask yourself, where am I still judging those unlike me, whether by their sexuality, by their color of skin, by their belief system, etc., again, with the caveat, if they are not in any way harming me or others. And if you find in yourself still a place that judges, perhaps in that case, those who have that sort of sexual nature, perhaps it is someone of a certain skin color, then you begin to ask for healing within yourself. I see that I'm still prejudiced about X. I can see that that came from my childhood or my upbringing or my religion or something else. And then one practice that is extremely helpful is Ho'oponopono, which I've spoken to all of you about before. And you can look that up also if you need more information. But it is four simple sentences. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. So that's the first part. Finding the part within you that still has the element, the feeling, the belief that led someone to such an extreme and horrific action, which, of course, you did not take. You did not shoot anyone. But nonetheless, I hope you can see that the seed of that prejudice that you still carry means that you are in a very small way contributing to those kinds of events. After you're complete with that, then you ask yourself, is there some healing that I can now offer toward this sort of situation? And as you see so much around these situations, people for days at a time bring flowers and create shrines and memorials and speak in great length about how much they appreciate and love those that have, uh, in the case of Orlando, that have a different sexuality and they stand with them in uh, parades and they, you know, they really show up. And so in each case, you just ask yourself, is there an action that I can take toward the healing of this type of situation? And the reason for this is so important. You must not feel powerless. You must not feel that you have no voice in this. 
because then it just grows into apathy and a sense of frustration and all of that. So whatever your inner voice tells you, perhaps it is to be more kind, perhaps it is to write a letter or post something lovely on Facebook or befriend someone that you know of in your area. But you take an actual step toward the healing of that situation by realizing first, yes, I still had a prejudice. I didn't even think about it, but I did. So I'm going to uh, do my best to heal that. And now I'm going to take it the next step forward, and I'm going to, you know, again, post something, be in a parade, write a letter, you know, befriend someone, you know, whatever your guidance suggests. So now you've elevated yourself out of that solitary space of feeling alone, and you've taken back your authority and your power, and you've also taken back your responsibility. Yes, I know you did not shoot anyone, but anyone in this world that is still carrying anger and hatred toward a group that is not harming them, you are contributing to these kinds of events in the world. And so it is about responsibility within yourself to heal the parts of you that still live in separation, judgment, and also in a sense of superiority over someone else. Now again, in my whole conversation, I said it several times, and I want to say it again. It began with knowing you were not in any danger, and I end this particular part of the conversation by talking about the people who are not doing you any harm. So we are not yet talking about terrorism and all of that. We'll come to that in a moment. But can you all see, and I'm going to come back to Mary Elizabeth in just a moment, can you see how in the oneness of the consciousness of this earth, everyone who is still holding hatred and prejudice toward a group that is not doing them harm is lending fuel to these kinds of terrible fires. Does that answer your question, Mary? Oh, absolutely, especially when you think about, you know, energy follows thoughts. So if you have that thought that, gee, I don't think this is right or I don't trust the Muslims or whatever it is, then you really are, in a sense, contributing to that very act, even though you may not have done it yourself. Exactly. You're kind of fueling the fire. Exactly. Exactly. So I hope that was very specific for anyone who had that situation. Now, do you have a second question? Yes. What about when it really does hit closer to home? Let's say turmoil, you know, within your own family. Um, what can you do then? Well, I think this is, of course, one of the most volatile arenas of all because in a family mm-hmm. you're sort of stuck with each other. <laughs> right. And I think what happens is you you have to. The other thing I want to talk about today is is power. And it's sort of like in the old equation the power was always over someone or something, right? Power over. Mm -hmm. And so in a family dynamic, what is typically happening is that there is a jockeying for power. And so it comes forth in argument. It comes forth in, you know, I'm more than this or I'm more than that or you're more than this or I need you more than that or you should do this or you should do that and all of this. Because what's happening The bottom line is each person in that dynamic is not recognizing that power can be used for good rather than to dominate. And so to change the equation, of course, I wish I had a magic wand. But what Mm -hmm. it is really is to when someone begins to, shall we say, act up, right, begins to jock into the position of, you know, wanting to be the the head of the table or the, the one in charge of the conversation or whatever the situation is. I suggest, 
again, you know, it's hard to talk about every family dynamic, but if you are the strong one, if you are the conscious one, and this person has started to act up in a way that is really not helpful, not kind, not really going to go anywhere but degenerating into other arguments and name-calling and all of that, my highest loving suggestion is that you stand up and you look at them and say, the way that you are speaking is not acceptable nor loving to me, so I am leaving. And you literally leave the house, the room, the table, wherever you are. And just because you won't participate, you won't fuel that fire. Now, will they be shocked? Yes. Will they talk badly about you? Yes. But you see, what you've done is created a moment of teaching and learning for anyone else that is there to say, this is not loving nor acceptable to me. And you're not saying really, you are a bully, you are bad. You are not accusing them. But by the same token, you are recognizing their behavior and you are not permitting anyone to do that to you. Does that help? That helped uh, tremendously. I'm taking notes. <laughs> well, you know, you Mary, also what, said... What, what, what I mean by that really is that, you know, when, it, when an argument begins, it takes at least two to keep the argument going, right? Oh, absolutely. And so if someone refuses to play, refuses to argue, but also does not, you know, make a snide remark or a mean remark or, a, you know, you just say, that is not loving and therefore that is not acceptable for me. You know, it's, it's just sort of cut mm-hmm. and dried. And it cuts oh, the energy of what they are trying to do, which is sort of throw a rope around you to show that they are more powerful. Right. Absolutely. Now, the other thing is, uh, so you have two. You sort of have the bully and the victim, right? Right. (laughs) And with the victim who stands up and starts to say, well, you know, you don't know how hard I have it and this is what's going on for me, and they have their whole tale of woe, right? Right. And their expectation is that you should not only feel sorry for them, you are somehow either responsible for fixing it or in some way just continuing to listen to them over and over and over, right? Mm-hmm. And with victims, again, I'm, I'm making generalizations which I hope are helpful to people. Um, if someone is uh, in a car wreck and pinned under the, the car and they're saying, please help me, I want you all to help them. <laughs> But if someone is just over and over and over and over again bringing their tale of woe like a bunch of dirty laundry and dumping it in your house, right? Right. You know, after a while you have to say, you know, I think you have a washer and dryer too. (laughs) (laughs) And again, what I mean by that is to say to them, you know, I'm really sad and sorry that you continue to have X, Y, or Z happening in your life. However, I am working so hard to not have X, Y, or Z happening in my life that I, I, I really just wish you well. But, you know, for the sake of my own sanity, I really don't want to talk about X, Y, or Z anymore. You see, it, it, this, mm-hmm. this absolute refusing to play is what we all need to do right now when it comes to the old power plays. And it's difficult because you're all taught to be nice and go along and smile and all of that. But look where that has gotten the world. Because to expand on your question, Mary Elizabeth, and to begin to look at the family of man on a larger, much larger scale, you watch the bullies, you watch the victims, you watch the power plays, And you probably from time to time feel angry yourself or helpless or certainly upset about how things are going. And to to talk for just a moment about the larger stage, what's happening is that 
in a funny way, darlings, all of you finally are being asked to be grown-ups. <laughs> and that's very difficult for those who kind of like adolescents. <laughs> You know, the first time someone at uh, typically, you know, high school or whatever has to get a job and they get their first paycheck and realize, oh, my goodness, what's this? Taxes are taken out and this is how much I'm earning. And, oh, my goodness, you know, it's it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. And I know there's, there's a much, much more comprehensive and difficult wake-up call going out right now, but it's a wake-up call to realize this is your planet, this is your life, this is your world, frankly, this is your air, this is your water, this is your everything. What are you all doing or not doing? It's a big wake-up call. And because so many of you have trusted and invested yourselves in organizations and companies and the way it used to be and what you could trust and all of this, you've sort of gone to sleep in terms of being aware, being informed, and also not being taken in by those who look like they know what they're doing, but they're really just selling you snake oil. And one of the first times I ever channeled through Samara, I said these words, and I'll say them again today. So that was 1997. In one of the first public channelings, I said to the group, you have been lied to early and often, and you must discover what these lies have been and what the truth lies within yourselves. And that's where it is. All of this crazy stuff that you see happening in the world is a reflection of a lack of understanding, a lack of responsibility, and a lack of care. And what has happened is you have entrusted people with many different responsibilities through electing them or uh, buying their products, etc., that do not have your best interests at heart, that care much more about the money that they're making than whatever obligation or responsibility you thought they were fulfilling for you. And so it is a very annoying time, I know, like you're graduating from high school or college to come into the world and find your way. And now it's even more complicated because the way you're being asked to find has not ever been. You have never had peace on earth. Do you know that? You've never had peace on earth. And so how will you get there? Well, to go back to the beginning of my conversation today, you have to find peace within, not by drowning yourself in alcohol, not by doing so many drugs or having whatever addiction you, you've chosen as your drug of choice, but by waking up and saying, I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to be alive. I'm here to be a fountain of love. I'm here to be joyful, yes, and to also call into responsibility those around me, like unruly children who might either injure themselves or another because they're not being held accountable. So really the world is saying it's time to realize all of you are accountable for everything. And that's difficult. But the good part about it is by starting within and recognizing where you are still fearful, where you are still judgmental, where you are still held in some sort of a grip of feeling like you're not powerful, you're not beautiful, you're not wonderful, you're not glorious. You are. You are all powerful. You are all wonderful. You are all glorious. And you are all able to wake up. And as they say, wake up and smell the bacon. And realize you have been lied to again and again and again by those who feel like you don't matter and what matters to them is money. And now you must 
hold yourself accountable for where you might have done that from time to time, any of you, but now say, you know what? The next step in all of this is to stand in my own peace and passion and presence and power and hold that energy of love, but also when something around me is amiss, I call it out and I say not on my watch, not in my presence, and not in my house or my school or, you know, wherever you are. So it is time to stand up and to realize these lies that you've been told there isn't a conspiracy, darlings. You don't have to sit around and say, is it the Illuminati? Is it the, the aliens? Is it some you know, space colony doing this or that? The bottom line is everyone at some point in life stopped being responsible and conscious and realizing I am part of everything in this world that's being created. And therefore, the good news I am a part in healing everything in this world. Because the clearer and clearer that you get, the more peaceful you get, the more present you are with your glorious self, your lovely self, you begin to radiate into the fields around you and the families around you and the people around you, really without saying a word, although sometimes you'll have to. And out of that the opportunities and the people and the places that you're meant to go and be will be there. So I'm telling you all of, all of you this because all of this wringing of hands and wondering why is this happening, it's happening because it's time to wake up, it's time to grow up, and it's time to speak the truth the truth that is within you, not whatever you were told, not whatever teaching that really wasn't true that you've carried around, but what is true. And I will tell you what is true. You are mighty beings of light in a human incarnation, meant to be agents of love, agents of change, and agents of creation. That is what you're meant for. So it's time to... Embrace that and be that and realize that there are hundreds and thousands of you that are ready for this. And just as so many years ago, when Martin Luther King Jr. led the, the March on Washington, he said something very profound, not on that march, but a little bit later before he died. He said... I've been to the mountaintop and looked over and seen the promised land. He also said, I may not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. And the promised land is the promise that each of you brought into this incarnation to be who you are to be alive, to be loving, to do what you do and feel what you feel, but not with blame, not with judgment, and certainly not with guns and knives and all of that domination. So begin again to say, I am a place of peace, I am a keeper of light, and I am someone who speaks when it's my time to speak because not on my watch needs to be something that each of you now embrace. Not on my watch will another child go to bed hungry. Not on my watch will another woman be beaten by her husband till she has to go to the emergency room. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. And so that was a very long answer, Mary Elizabeth, to your question. <laughs> I, I guess you know me, I can get kind of carried away. Oh, absolutely, but it was perfect. But, you know, what you had said before, too, to get to that promised land, to have peace, 
Now, there needs to be justice in the world. And to look at the bigger picture, like you had referred to before, like with you know, the Middle East and terrorism and everything else, it just seems that we are so far from that place. Uh, well, I mean, you're is exactly it possible right. to really achieve you're, it? You're exactly right. And I, I know we want to get there, but I think it was perfect that you also asked first about, about family. And mm-hmm. I think when you begin to realize why does someone put on a vest of, of uh, explosives and go wherever they go and blow themselves up. You have to ask yourself that question. And when you do, you begin to realize this is a person who has no hope. Mm -hmm. This is a person who believes there's absolutely nothing for them in this world. So they are willing to blow themselves up. And, and of course, they believe they're blowing up the enemy because that's part of what's been sold to them. But how can we bring hope to others? And so coming back to you and, and your beautiful husband, Joseph, and everyone who's listening, where is your hope, right? So, mm-hmm. again, because as within, so without, right? As above, so below, but also as within, so without. So the more hopeful you are, the more you experience the hopefulness of this life, it becomes, again, sort of the opposite of a radioactive cloud that's going across the universe. It becomes this cloud of hope. And what hope does is it begins to say, well, why not? Why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we build a well, you know, where the people have no water? Why couldn't we, you know, set up an exchange where some of these women can begin to, uh, you know, sew items or weave or have lambs or whatever? And you begin to see that, the most effective medicine for all of you that are not directly involved in um, military action and all of that is to see and support all of the economic ways that people in impoverished countries can begin to also have hope for themselves and their families. Now, Again, this is a fairly long radio show, but I can't go into all of them, but but I've mentioned these things before. You go to a site like Kiva, K-I-V-A dot org, and there are many like this, but I just wanted to mention one for an idea. And you and your family, wouldn't this be lovely, Mary? You and your family sit down and you say, you know what, instead of for my birthday, instead of all of you buying me something that I'll stick in a closet, Let's mm-hmm. all sit down on my birthday night. Let's look at these top five people from Kiva.org that I've identified. And all of you tell me how much you want to participate or give that you would have given on my birthday. And let's, let's buy something for this person who's just a, a moment away from becoming self-sufficient. Let's help them have that cow or that store or that, the weaving materials to make uh, what they can do. And what happens, again, now you're combining the idea of your family and doing something as a family that is so powerful and positive. And at the same time, you are also adding to the hope of people across the world who believe that, you know, America is this land of millionaires and gold in the street, and they don't care about me, so I'm going to go to what Allah has promised me, which, of course, Allah did not promise them, but someone told them Allah had promised them. They were lied to in that way. And so by doing these kinds of things, and again, as a family, many of you that are listening belong to churches or groups, and I know many of you do these things already, but again, as, as you're guided, as you can, do these kinds of things to bring hope back to places that are so desolate and so devastated by years and years of warlords and bombing and neglect and all of that, that truly they, they don't know any other way. And then they are taken advantage of, again, by those who wish to annihilate uh, America and other places who are also putting lots and lots of money away for themselves. So, again, it's about the money. So what I will say is that any and all of you that begin in small ways to teach your children, to teach your uh, grandchildren for those who have it, for your cousins and aunts and uncles who perhaps have never even heard of Kiva or other organizations like that, you say, you know what, 
for my birthday. I don't want you to give me another sweater or another scarf or something like that. What I really want to do as a family is bring a gift across the world to someone who's working hard to create a life for themselves. Can you see what a difference that would make, Mary? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're spreading, I mean, it's just, again, it all comes down to energy. You're spreading that positive, loving energy throughout the world. Well, exactly. And then you see, the more people that have hope, they're not going to be listening Mm -hmm. to the recruiters from ISIS. Right. If they have a way to make a a living for themselves and their family, Mm -hmm. they will not be listening to them. The the lies that are being told to those who are recruited by ISIS is this allure. And the reason I want to bring this up is the same allure exists for those of you that are watching television and, and paying extraordinary amounts of money because some name is on the blue jeans. Now, we don't care what people spend. You can have whatever you want in life. But understand that advertising that creates an allure that if you have this name on your blue jeans or you're driving this kind of car then you will be part of the elite and so again it's a part of separation why does someone even want to be part of the elite perhaps because they're still not feeling their own power of love so these next few years are really about first and foremost creating the peace within yourselves to be able to manage your own life and all of the various things and responsibilities each of you have. And then, as I said, working on any old ideas and prejudice you still have and using Ho'oponopono or something else. But now you're ready. Now you're an agent of change. And now you also say no to what you feel to say no to, but begin to say yes to hope, to prosperity, to equality, and that is what will bring justice. Justice is really where everyone in the world has at least food to eat, shelter, and the promise that tomorrow they can live in peace and be able to create a life for their families that has dignity and has a sense of being able to bring to their family and their children more than they had. That's what everyone in the world wants. And so as each of you just begin to digest this, I think you'll feel like, okay, it's time maybe to roll up our sleeves. It's time to really engage in whatever way we can, first by being peaceful, then by being that presence of honesty and clarity and light and justice and hope and then offering that out in the world. Now I know our beloved Janie in just a moment also has a question, so I don't want to leave her out of the conversation. So here we go, Janie. You really kind of covered this, but how do we reach out to people instead of reacting and blaming them? Well, you know, reaction comes because in a way you are not at peace yourself and when you, pardon me when you're at peace yourself and something happens what you have to ask is what i said in that first part which is what was my part in creating this and what is my part in healing this so it is a very mature reflective responsible response rather than either, oh, my God, the world's coming to an end, or aren't they awful, or isn't it terrible? You can feel that. I mean, emotions come regardless of thought. But part of being mature is being able to handle emotions in all of this life. You know, there's always challenge and uh, illness and death and difficulty and divorce and moves and job loss and all of these things do happen and your emotional body will feel the turmoil of that the hurt of that plus you know whatever's happening on the news but if you sink back into that place of peace within yourself that i'm asking you to create 
is that I'm also asking you in a way to guard. Keep your place of peace the way you keep your house, the way you want to be. And then you look at it and you say, all right, why did this person go into Orlando and shoot all of those innocent people that were not in any way harming him? And you come to find out that this was a troubled soul who perhaps himself had homosexual leanings. We don't know that. But he was an unhappy person. And he was also a person who didn't know how to manage his emotions and his responses and the power of creation. When someone does something like that, and now we're not talking about someone recruited by ISIS. We're not talking about someone who didn't have a wife and a child and a house and all of that and a family. We're talking about someone whose mind and whose life did not give them the tools to find peace and to honor the life that he was given to be here. And I think that when you have that much uh, disparity between who you want to be and who you feel you are, chaos results. And in that chaos, very, very challenging choices are made. The other thing I want to speak about for just a moment, especially here in America, is all of this about gun control. And I think that when you really start to look at this, you begin to see that having a gun should be at least as difficult as getting a driver's license. And having a gun is certainly not something in and of itself that leads to violence. But if the person themselves cannot, as with a driver's license, demonstrate to someone their responsibility and their ability to manage something that can potentially kill another person, then absolutely they should be denied a gun. Also, all of your various states have had um, conflicting laws. And here, too, I think this is time for people to speak up and say, you know, it's not all right. I, I want my gun for hunting, or I feel I should have a gun to protect my household. Well, fine, but let's create a way that there is a demonstrated expertise and a demonstrated emotional, mental responsibility and maturity to handle such a thing. So reaction, for those of you that are listening to the show, can be mitigated by those who are already peaceful. And I'll give you an example. When you think about your first responders, you know, those, the firefighters and the EMTs, who come into very, very difficult situations. How do they manage it? Training and training and training, yes, and also camaraderie and support and knowing that all of the other, in this case, let's say firemen or EMTs, have their back. So those of you that are feeling sort of like you have to circle the wagons, you're alone and isolated, it is important to have others in your life that you know support you and have your back and will be with you in the difficult situations that you have. But also training. You know, I so wish that all of your schools had training in meditation and conflict resolution. You take your middle schoolers and your high schoolers and you talk to them about bullying, and I very much appreciate that. But there is very, very few examples in which schools have taught them conflict resolution. So I would love to have some of you that feel called to make that part of what you lobby for in the days to come. So again, a long answer for your question, Janie, but was that sufficient? That was wonderful. All right. Well, before we go into any more questions, do you see anyone else on the line that might have a question? Uh, actually, I do not. 
All right. Well, then you know me, Mary. Do you have another question or do you want me to just keep talking? <laughs> well, you know what? I do have something I want to say. You know, it just seems like for the last 10 years, you know, everyone that's been involved with the spiritual community, you know, we've, there's been so much focus on this ascension process. And it was kind of like this follow the little yellow brick road and you'll get to the fifth dimension. And it's, you know, it really is our responsibility. Even, even with that ascension, it's like we wanted somebody else to do it. So what you said today is just so powerful. You know, wake up, grow up, speak up, and we need to do this for ourselves and for everyone else around us. You said it so beautifully, Mary Elizabeth, and it's true. And I think it was as if ascension was a destination. <laughs> right. No, and that's, that's the way I looked at it. I really did. Right, and I, and I understand. Surprise. And so that's, that's so much of why I'm still here doing what I'm doing is to understand mm-hmm. that, you know, all of you are born with this wonderful capacity, and we, we certainly understand that throughout your lives other people have made sure to try to diminish your belief in your capacity. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. that capacity is still there. And so by really recognizing that now is the hour when I'm needed, you know, think of yourself like a firefighter or an EMT, you know. This is the hour when I'm going to be needed. So I need the training to be able to stand up, let's say, in a meeting about gun control or about school prayer or about the flag or about all of these things that are coming up for discussion and to speak your truth. And I'm not saying that you will always get your way. You, obviously, you won't. But it's time to have these conversations without all of the name-calling. Name-calling is not stating what you believe. It is, it is really a deflection. And so we want that to not be the conversation, to be able to say, you know, I, perhaps this is your belief. I really feel that in order to have a firearm, you have to be at least X amount old, You have to take a six-week class. You have to prove that you can shoot it appropriately. You have to demonstrate where you're going to keep it and how the ammunition will be stored and if you have any children, et cetera, in the house. You know, like all of these very simple things that if someone is trying to drive a car, they're taught about and make that absolutely a part of owning a gun. And so all you're really doing is making people be more responsible. And again, of course, will there be thieves and, and crooks that do it in another way? Of course there will. But you, you can't legislate or control every bit of the population. But what you can do is begin to create the strongest environment possible for the world you want to live in. And that takes the strength of all of you. So I'm going to end with a little... Um, blessing and I know Janie will join with me as she is here on the sofa and so what I would like you to all do and feel is I want you to feel my touch and I'm touching each of you on the crown of your head beginning about eight inches above your head at your soul star chakra and I'm giving it a little uh, dusting off (laughs) Because within the soul star chakra is all of the knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G, of who you are and why you came. And so we're just dusting off that beautiful white soul star chakra. And now my hand is coming down and it's now on top of your head, touching your crown chakra, the beautiful, beautiful violet crown chakra. And we're inviting St. Germain to join with us and to transmute any old beliefs, prejudices, hatred, etc., that was still lodged somewhere in your being that no longer, of course, serves you. And we're inviting that to depart and to be healed as it departs and to become neutralized as it departs. And now we're moving down, and I'm moving down the front of your face, and I'm touching your third eye. And I'm touching that beautiful indigo light and inviting you to see through the eyes of God, to see with clarity that every soul in this moment is doing the best that they can, given what they believe and what they know, 
and how they were taught. And when you see that and know that, you can act from a place of peace and compassion toward them. And now I'm moving down and touching your beautiful throat chakra. Beautiful, beautiful indigo. Beautiful, beautiful indigo blue. And we're opening it up. I know many of you have been silenced in this life and others, but we're opening that chakra to speak your truth with love, with compassion, and also with power and strength. That's where it is, power and strength and love and compassion. And now we move down to your heart, to your beautiful, that beautiful green healing. We bring in Raphael. I know so many of you have had difficulties with your heart and challenges, and people have broken your heart from time to time. But your heart is never really broken, for your heart is with us and with God. And so we're asking you to have courage in your heart. Courage actually comes from the Latin meaning of heart, with heart. And now we're moving down one more step to your solar plexus. And here, too, I know many of you have blocked your power. And we're inviting that beautiful yellow sun to blaze through there and give you back your knowing that yours is the power of love. And that is unstoppable. And now we move down one more step to the second chakra, the beautiful orange. And here, too, I know this has to do with emotion and relationships. We're asking it to clear, to know that you are loved, that you are cherished beyond measure and that there are people in your life that love and cherish you and that we love and cherish you and you are here to love and cherish yourself and each other. And lastly, we come down to the base chakra, the red, and I want you to know that you're safe. You're safe. You're always in my arms. And yes, death lies ahead for all of you, but that's our reunion. Your death in the earth plane is your reunion with us. And now we go down your legs and actually just down through your feet and to the earth beneath you. And here we open what has been closed for a long time, which is the earth star chakra which is where you stand in your power and your presence and your place on the earth as a fountain of light, as a fountain of love, as a presence of you. That is who you are. That is why you've come. And that is the truth. Much love to all of you. Much love to all of you. I'm going to just click my fingers to make sure you're back in the room from the meditation, but boom, boom, boom. Okay. (laughs) So there we are, Mary Elizabeth. That's our solution for it all. Kindness, love, but also power and strength. Remember, not on my watch, even if it's in your family dinner time when someone says something unloving, unkind, disrespectful. Stand up and say, I'm sorry, I cannot listen to that, for it is not loving, it is not kind, and for me, it is not true. So again, not to attack, not to call names, but to stand in your power and your love. And that, my darlings, concludes our evening uh, of discussion about the world and what's going on. I love you all so much. And these are the times that you chose to come. Wake up, stand up, show up, and speak up. Much love. Namaste. Well, this is Samara signing off. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I love you all, and I'll look forward to speaking to you again next month. 
Namaste. Maybe she just said Mary?